EMS1.com is the number one online resource for the EMS community and authoritative voice in pre-hospital care. Our members enjoy access to exclusive content from top EMS educators and physicians, award-winning e-newsletters, original video series, member-only product discounts, access to free continuing education courses, and much more. If you're an EMS and not a member of EMS1, join the community for free today. Just go to ems1.com backslash registration. That's ems1.com backslash registration to become a member. Well, this is it, the Christmas edition of Inside EMS. Actually, there'll be another couple shows before Christmas, but I just figured I'd throw that in. I want to welcome you to Inside EMS. And here's a guy that's on everybody's Christmas list, naughty and nice, my good friend Kelly Grayson. KG, what's going on? Man, just uh, just handling honeydews. I have been hanging Christmas lights and, and, uh, and fighting with a frustrated girlfriend over my, my hanging of Christmas lights. You know, the, the typical holiday routine. Well, you know, you're not supposed to put them into a noose. I think that's what the problem is. Uh, she wanted to hang me by a noose uh, Did before she? Yeah. It was with. Yeah. Do you need me to come down there and broker some deal or anything? Or no, man, I, I'm more the bah humbug type, and and she's the she's the Christmas spirit type. And when she gets me to to doing uh, Christmas decorations and stuff, uh, we clash. Can you take a video of that? Put it on. Facebook or something? No, I, that, that wouldn't be entertaining. You just see Nancy beating me down. I don't know, man. I, I'd pay for, I'd pay to see that. Maybe a pay per view special. Yeah, well, maybe so. Maybe so. I wonder. I wonder what the buys would be on a, on a Kelly beats Nancy Sensel or yeah, <laughs> Kelly, was that a Freudian <laughs> slip? <laughs> Nancy beats Oops. Kelly senseless pay per view. Yeah. All right, maybe we'll get some uh, people out there. Go ahead and give us a uh, email at the show at ems one dot com. And let us know if you're interested in buying that. But Kelly, ten shopping days left till Christmas. What do you think? I think that uh, I'm glad I have a girlfriend who who does the shopping for me. Cause man, I'm uh, that's not my forte. Uh, I have to ask her things like, "Hey, did we get my family anything this year?" Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got a you've got a good in there. So awesome. Well, yeah. So I'm really excited for today's show, Kelly. And one of the reasons is, you know, when I was in the military. Yeah. A, a sergeant, his name was, he was a master sergeant, his name was Charles Keenhoe. He was, was kind of a mentor to me as I was a young NCO, and I didn't really have uh, the wherewithal of professionalism at the time, believe it or not. And uh, But one of the things he said to me, he, he tried to get me involved in the NCO uh, Association, Non-Commissioned Officers Association. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want any part of that. And he said something to me that stuck with me to this day. He goes, if you consider yourself to be a professional, you need to belong to a professional organization. And today's guest, we're going to talk about the National Association of Emergency Medical Technicians because I've used that today. And I talk to EMTs and paramedics and I ask them if they're members of the association. And I say to them, if you consider yourself to be a professional, don't you need to be part of a professional organization? And uh, I think it still rings true today as it did in 1986. And our guest today is going to be my friend, Matt Savodsky. And Matt is the incoming president of NEMT. He's also one of the gurus of EMS, probably the master, the the Star Wars Jedi master of community paramedicine. (laughs) 
And hopefully, Matt, I read it just like you wrote it, but welcome to Inside EMS. Uh, you're very welcome. And, and Kelly, I just want to let you know that I've blocked all of the hashtag Me Too um, comments that have come through since you talked about the page of you beating Nancy. Um, so <laughs> to see the hate mail that's coming through. That was that was a tongue tied. It was actually Nancy beating me. That's right. That's a Freudian slip. That's what that was. <laughs> yeah. But Matt, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And very exciting January. You are the incoming president of NEMT, and I think that there are going to be a lot of great things that are come from the association with your leadership, as well as the leadership of the board. And I'm excited to talk about some of those things today. Uh, it, thanks, Chris, and thanks for the invitation. And, and Kelly, thanks for being on it as well. Love the banter between you guys. And, you know, Chris, one of the great things about being part of NAEMT is it's really, just as an overview, you know, 67,000 members. And when we analyze the membership, it's a third, a third, a third, a third in the public sector, a third in the private sector, a third in the volunteer sector or, or other. And it's really one of those associations that is truly very representative of the various ways that EMS is delivered across the country. Yeah, and I think that's really important. And one of the things I want to get to later in the show is how can people get involved. But the first thing I think I want to pick your brain about, we've had some great discussions over the years of knowing each other, is what's the biggest challenge do you feel that's facing EMS today? I think the biggest challenge, Chris, is the leadership vacuum that's going to be created when you and Kelly retire from the business. Well, I mean, we're, we're training the next generation, though, so there's something in there. <laughs> did, uh, Chris, did I say it the way that you wrote it? Just um, like just like it, just like it. <laughs> now, I think, Chris and, and Kelly, there are two, both internal and external. So internally, uh, we'll start sort of with the internal view. I think the biggest challenge that we have is recruitment and retention of EMS workers. And then it has a couple of subparts. Attracting people into the business is getting harder and harder. Attracting people into the profession, harder and harder. Keeping them when there are many more options available for folks that want to do health care in this country. Um, the burnout rate and some of the psychological stress that comes along with the job and then life in general. Anybody who knows, anyone who's been uh, in EMS, nobody works one job. They all are working, you know, three, four, five different jobs. And the, the, the ability for people to keep up that pace has become very difficult. So internally, recruiting and retaining people that will promote and, and enhance the profession um, and, and making sure that they're physically and psychologically safe for the long term in this profession, probably the biggest challenge that we face. Uh, externally, a, a huge challenge for us is demonstrating value proving value to the people who pay for our services, whether that be taxpayers, whether that be insurance companies, whether that be other healthcare stakeholders. It, you, you don't have to look hard to find some of the studies, reports, challenges uh, just as recently as today with you know um, out-of-network billing and the things that are, are going to financially impact our ability to deliver services unless we can find a better value model than you call we haul. Those are, are two very daunting challenges. And we, we know that NAEMT is, is laboring to, to help us uh, as a profession address those. What do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions uh, regarding uh, National Association of EMTs? Uh, what kind of, what kind of uh, pushback do you get on, on, becoming an NAEMT member, and, and what objections do people have? 
Yeah, I think the biggest misconception is is people thinking that um, the association is solely doing uh, initiatives just for education. You know, obviously, we have a, a plethora of very robust educational programs, but one of the great benefits of, of having great presence in the educational arena and having that level of respect in education is it's now given us the resources, the ability, the leadership, the people who want to be part of improving the overall and enhancing the overall profession. So the advocacy that not only nationally, but even the state level advocates that NAEMT have very, very strong and have been very, very successful. Um, worker safety and the professional safety for the folks in the business, you know, the safety committee, the number of the initiatives being involved with the NFPA on the NFPA 3000 all hazards programs. I think a lot of people think of, of NAEMT as just a uh, educational association, but it is so much more than that. And when you look at all the different committees, task forces, the liaison relationships that we have this year, we're creating liaison relationships with America's health insurance plans and the National Governors Association, we're really doing those multifaceted approaches to promoting the profession and the people in the profession to make their environment safe and something that they can do and retire from long-term, uh, much like the three of us have. We've made a career out of it it's getting harder and harder for some folks to do that. We want to create a profession that people can retire from. One of the things that you brought up, I think, was really pointy, is this, it's not just education. And I, I was thinking about this as you were talking and actually doodling and stuff and doing other things, but I became a member of NENT in 1999. And at the time, there were only a few classes that kind of represented the organization. And actually, that was about the time where EPC was starting to get uh, involved into the organization. Now we think about that education. You know, there's quite a bit of things. But I think that is a big misconception, Matt, where we talk about that people just think it's an educational association. And one of the things that happens every year, and I guess it's been going for six or so years now, is uh, EMS on the Hill Day. It's conducted in Washington, D.C., but maybe just give us a little bit more about the objectives of EMS on the Hill Day and what it really means for our career field. Yeah, one of the great things about EMS on the Hill Day is it brings field-level providers as well as agency leaders to Washington to educate their local uh, elected officials issues that are important to their constituents. So, for example, I, you know, myself, a number of folks will go and we'll meet with our local delegates and learn uh, and help them learn about what are the issues that are facing their EMS workers back home. So whether it's things like funding issues, whether it's safety issues, what are the things that are preventing us from providing a safe working environment for our team members and for the folks in our profession. Um, and there's a legislative agenda every year that the NAEMT Advocacy Committee, working with advocates from all over the country, develop sort of the federal legislative initiative and we literally go and talk about drug shortages, big issue the last couple of years that we've really been pushing up on the Hill. Rural EMS issues, because most of the country is covered by rural EMS providers. Helping to promote legislation, certainly the big issues coming up now with uh, all the payment reform and cost reporting. Um, all of those things are so important because when an EMS worker is face-to-face -face with their elected official and they're in uniform and they are really speaking from their heart about the things that are impacting their ability to do their job back home, where that elected official lives, that message resonates. And it has been very effective in, in getting legislation passed in Congress. 
This is such a big thing, and, and it's great that the association kind of, you know, spearheads this, but if you're not a member of NEMT, you don't have to be a member to go to NEMT on the Hill Day. Is that correct? Uh, that is a great point, Chris. It is open to anybody who has a interest, a passion, a desire to influence federal policy, to influence uh, federal laws, or even learn about how that process occurs. There are briefings that occur before EMS on the Hill Day that gives people a really keen insight into how the legislative process works, how to work with their local elected officials to uh, promote change or, in many cases, instigate change. Um, but yeah, it's open to anyone in the profession, and um, the attendance grows and grows every year because people are really wanting to become involved in changing federal policy as it relates to EMS. You know, I, I don't think we can we can minimize the impact of of direct interaction with our elected officials uh, advocating for our our interests uh, during EMS on the Hill Day. Matt, one of the things that Chris and I debate on this show quite frequently is is I I take the position that we do it exactly backwards uh, that. We spend a week during EMS week celebrating and advocating EMS, and, and we have EMS on the Hill Day, and the rest of the year we toil in obscurity, and what we should be doing is advocating for EMS the other 51 weeks of the year, and then and take a, a beach somewhere and, and drink uh, drinks with umbrellas in them for that, for the, uh, for that weekend in May. Uh, that week in May. So you're so right about um, elected officials not only um, should we not wait until you know we have events in Washington, D.C., but where the real change occurs is in the relationships that you build with your elected officials in your home district. So don't wait till EMS on the Hill Day or any uh, national or, or federal uh, educational process that might occur in Washington, D.C. Work with uh, your elected officials, their staffers, because quite frankly, the staffers are, in many cases, more able to influence that policy. Um, and you're right, do that every day. Do ride-alongs, visit them, send them information, because the the event in Washington should be a meet and greet. Hey, nice to see you again. Haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. You know, how's it going? What, what about that issue? So um, you're absolutely right. What you're going to be doing as, as the incoming NAEMT president is is you'll be our, our advocate in that regard, advocating EMS 24-7, 365. I'd like to know, what's your, uh, what's your agenda? What do you, you plan to bring uh, to NAEMT in your coming term? One is continuing the mission of the association, advancing the profession. There are so many uh, opportunities for EMTs and paramedics uh, across the country today, and how do we actually make their profession um, more recognized in the healthcare community? How do we change their stature, both legislatively, politically, and even from a payer perspective, to healthcare professionals as opposed to, for example, the perception that many people have of technicians? Helping with uh, promoting education, helping to build a stronger uh, workforce, uh, making sure that we have people who can handle the the stress and the trauma and the things that happen. And, and you know, obviously the suicide risk um, for our profession is off the charts and um, building some programs that folks can take advantage of to uh, help prevent catastrophe and to be able to feel comfortable talking about some of their concerns um, are going to weigh heavily into that. Um, second, or I guess third, is the whole payment reform issue. Um, we are at a crossroads in our profession. And, you know, we're just starting the ambulance cost data collection with RAND and with CMS, um, trying to change the way that we get paid for what we do so that we can 
promote higher wages for EMS workers because they are recognized by the people who pay our bills as healthcare providers, uh, not just a method of, of getting a patient from point A to point B. Um, like other countries, you know, whether it's Australia, the UK, Canada, where they, the healthcare system recognizes the value that EMTs and paramedics bring to the patients, the healthcare system, the payers, so that we can literally be um, respected for the medical care that we provide, not the transportation that, that, that we do. So that's going to be part of it. And then finally, building our, our liaison relationships with other stakeholders who we haven't really tapped into until now. So I mentioned earlier that we're going to have a more formal relationship with America's health insurance plans. Um, having that formal liaison relationship, we literally just started doing that this week. Doing the same thing with the National Governors Association, the International City County Managers Association. Really building those stakeholder relationships with the folks that um, we really need to rely on to influence local policy and federal policy. You know, Matt, a couple of times you said something that that it, it kind of glossed over, but I, I want to spend a minute on it because you, you tied it together in, in your last answer where you talked about payment reform issues. And one of the things that we hear all the time is EMS making more money. And you kind of touched on it where you said payment reform issues will allow us to hopefully increase the pay that we're paying the providers that are out there. And for the folks that may not know what payment reform is about, just give them a little bit because it's it's paramount, it's vital to them that they really kind of understand what needs to happen within the career field so they can finally make, hopefully, that livable wage, but really for the sustainability of a lot of those EMS agencies that are out there. Yeah, Chris, thanks for asking that clarification. So uh, as many people may know, EMS is if you're for the ambulance side. So EMS payment comes from transporting people to the hospital. So as many people may know, if we don't transport some to the hospital, we don't get paid because for Medicare and most of the insurance providers, um, ambulance services is a transportation benefit uh, as written into the Social Security Act. So that becomes more of a commodity. The challenge that we have is that the healthcare system is moving towards value-based payments, value-based economic models, paying healthcare providers based on the value that they bring to the payer. Federal government's doing that. Medicare is doing that. Um, almost all the commercial payers, and, and you read about that pretty regularly. And many agencies like mine and at, at MedStar in Fort Worth, we're living that literally every day. So um, if we're treated just as a mode of conveyance, and you've heard uh, EMTs and paramedics across the country complain about the low acuity calls and we're taking people to the hospital that really don't need to be there, but that's the only way we get paid. Well, we need to flip that model and say, okay, instead of the potentially low value transport to the emergency room where you're going to pay us, you know, 500 bucks for the transport because that's what the Medicare allowable is or whatever it's going to be. Um, how about if we help navigate the person, the patient who's called to the right care at the right time at the right cost and because we do that, we save the healthcare system two, three, four thousand dollars in occurrence. Can we get paid more to navigate patients safely to the right level of care? Now we can afford to send EMTs and paramedics to school to become bachelor's degree or higher level like they do in other countries, because the more that we can manage and, and navigate patients who call 911 the more value we're going to bring to the healthcare system, the more they're willing to pay us. 
So we just have to find the right secret sauce to flip that switch to demonstrate the value that we bring, not just in taking people to the emergency room, but in getting them the right care at the right place at the right time. I think that that serving uh, or proving our worth as as uh, healthcare system gatekeepers uh, is probably going to give us the most bang for the buck in in demonstrating our value to the overall healthcare system. Uh, and and all the things you talked about in your in your agenda as the incoming president are, are things near and dear to my heart. But uh, I think the the payment reform uh, and commensurate increase in 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 wages uh, is is what means the most to, to most people. And, and until we broaden and deepen that, that revenue pool that we all drink from, uh, meaningful wage reform is not going not gonna to happen. So to assist you in that mission, Matt, and, and, to, and to support you in that mission, uh, obviously, National Association of EMTs needs a, 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 a much more extensive membership. Uh, so why should folks uh, listening to our podcast out there consider joining uh, NAEMT? Well, and oddly enough, Chris said something very uh, poignant, which uh, I don't know if those of you were, were noticing that, but you know, probably should have written it down. But when he was, you know, just ending the, what was it, the Second World War, Chris, that you were um, in your military career? Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> you kind of, as a member of this profession, it is important for you to be part of professional associations to help drive changes that are going to enhance your work environment. So there's sort of that, um, gosh, you know, I'm really going to become part of this profession. I'm going to commit um, to, to really promoting this profession, number one. Number two, it, it's really a great way to learn about leadership. It's a great way to become involved in committees, things that make you that, that you have a passion about, whether it's PHTLS or whether it's uh, AMLS or any one of the, the number of, of educational programs that we have, and you want to be on those committees, you want to become an instructor, you want to become more active in promoting the clinical uh, enhancements of our profession, it's a great way to get into, into that circle. Additionally, the opportunities for learning. Uh, when you're involved in committees, when you um, go to board meetings, when you go to EMS World or EMS Today and you get to interact with the NAEMT board members and the staff and the instructors from all over the world and the fastest growing educational market that we have right now is, is internationally, you're going to go to member receptions that um, you're going to get to talk to somebody from Australia or Indonesia or China or Canada and learn about their EMS systems, learn about their educational systems. Um, and there is, there is such value in that to the individual's pr profession and building their profession. Uh, plus, you know, if you go to the NAEMT website at naemt.org, just the member benefits alone um, with discounts at 511 and Hertz Rental Car and, and um, Research and all these different things that folks, I mean, literally for the pittance of 40 or $50 a year for the membership, uh, if you maximize your member benefits, you can make that money back five times over just in the discounts that um, these providers give to any EMT members. Yeah, but even moreover, I mean, it's great that there's a benefit to being part of the you know, association that we're getting something back. You know, we do get an education benefit that we can take a class a year. We do get, as you mentioned, some of those perks for insurance and 511 and her. But I think more importantly, 
one of the things that it really gives us is it gives us that voice that everybody's been saying, when is somebody going to do something about this? Well, th there's there's an opportunity to do something about it. It's just that it's going to cost you 40 or some odd dollars a year to make that happen. But there's a, a group of professionals that are ready to take up the, you know, the, you know, the pay reform and, and talk about safety and talk about suicide and talk about PTSD. Who's doing it? Well, the National Association is doing it. And, you know, you hear a lot of people, and I, I came into the organization where, where you would hear people say it's a good old boys network. And, you know, they, they really don't, they forget what it was like to be. But it's changed. There's been a paradigm shift over the past decade, right, that, that it really is for the provider. And the people that are in those roles are really, I mean, they really care about making the profession better. And, and that's for you guys that are sitting in the truck. And, you know, I don't want to sound like an infomercial here, but if you consider yourselves to be professional, you need to belong to a professional organization. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, we would love it to be NAEMT, but pick one, the National Association of EMS Educators, the Management Association, whatever it is, um, pick, a, pick an association because the if you're looking to see, hey, who's somebody ought to do something, well, maybe that somebody is really you. In the professional development of your chosen career, you can make a difference. Rather than complain about some vague, uh, amorphous they uh, having having the reins of EMS and, and, and what we're subject to when, when they make decisions, uh, we can be those people by joining our national association and, and making our voice heard. So, Matt, how do, uh, how, how do people go about joining NAEMT? If they want to get involved, uh, what's their best way? The easiest way is naemt.org. Um, and right from the homepage, you can learn about the different classes of memberships. The other thing that we have seen a tremendous increase in um, is agency memberships, where uh, an entire agency will join on behalf of their uh, certified EMT and paramedic um, employees. So talk to one of your agency leaders and say, hey, here's some information. Maybe we should be an agency member. MedStar is an agency member. Uh, it's really one of the fastest growing categories of membership that we have because a lot of people are recognizing, hey, we want everybody to have that opportunity for education, engagement, all the things that are, are part of being a professional association. So either individually, great, love it. We've got 67,000 of them, um, but we'd like to have 67,000 more. Uh, and however we do that, because that way we can hear your voice. It gives you an additional voice. It gives you some additional engagement um, and everybody benefits, especially the member from an engaged profession. All right, Matt, as promised before we started recording, uh, we did want to spend a few minutes talking about your Christmas card list. So <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, my friend. And uh, I appreciate the, uh, you know, you coming on the show. And it's always great when we have the opportunity to learn from your experience and expertise. And, you know, I, I you know, you and I joke a lot. Uh, we've known each other for, you know, uh, about eight or so years now. And, uh, you know, I think that, I'm excited about this term as president of NEMT with the board of directors that you have, uh, with the president-elect, uh, Bruce Evans. I think we're really, and I've said this before, that I just want to reiterate that you guys are going to set their direction for our career field for the next decade, and I'm excited that you're going to be part of that, and I'm looking forward to the work that's going to come out of the association. Uh, thank you guys very much for the invitation, and um, it's a blessing to be affiliated with you guys to have this forum to be able to educate the profession, um, and thank you very much for the invitation. We, we enjoyed having you, Matt, and 
I'll sign off by saying if, if you you can't complain about the direction of EMS if you don't have skin in the game. And the yep. way to do that is become a member of your national organizations and make your voice heard. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Email us at the show at ems1.com. And for myself, co-host Chris Ceballero, and our guest this week, Matt Zavadsky. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>